everybody to the greatest wrestling podcast in the history of wrestling podcasts. On this show, we talk about Night of Champions, The Bloodline, Tony Rhodes and Brock Lesnar, Gunther, Seth Rollins, AJ Styles, Money in the Bank, and everything else. This will quite possibly be the greatest show in the history of Jabroni Drive. Tim, do you have anything you want to say to all the Schmidt Lavellites out there? The 10 people streaming us across any social media platforms. Oh, let's get ready to podcast! <laughs> What a beginning to a show. As we said, this is Jabroni Drive, and we got a lot of things we want to talk about. My name is Tom Lavelle. I'm accompanied by Mr. Timothy Schmidt. This is Jabroni Drive, as I just said probably four times. If you like what we're doing, please like it, share, follow, subscribe, whatever it is you got to do out there. Tell your friends. If they like wrestling, say you got to listen to this podcast. These guys know what they're talking about. At least one of them knows what they're talking about, and the other guy rambles on about stuff, okay? We won't tell you which one knows what they're talking about. I was going to say, which one am I? Which one am I? <laughs> on this week's show, we talk about Night of Champions. We review another great PLE, premium live event or pay-per-view, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Talk about the bloodline. The hottest story in the last two decades in WWE. AJ Styles and Seth Rollins. Brock and Cody. Cody's broken arm. We'll get into that a little bit later. Gunther Mustafa Ali. Who's Gunther's next opponent? Who's he going to face? Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus. The Money in the Bank coming up. The new pay-per-view that's coming up. Uh, another, another installment of Money in the Bank. One of the greatest pay-per-views each year in the WWE. Alpha Academy. Jinder Mahal. This year, or today in wrestling history, and a little bit of homework that we had over the weekend. Tim, let's dive right into it. Night of Champions, another great pay-per-view, premium live event, whatever you want to call it. They, they've, they've now nailed two in a row since WrestleMania. After WrestleMania, we've talked about how it, it was, bleh, you know, the, the, the storylines, this and that. They have nailed two of these pay-per-views in a row. I've thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed both of them. Just real quick, your thoughts on the pay-per-view overall. What did you think of it? Oh, well, first of all, Tom, I just want to say uh, happy Memorial Day to you. Yeah, happy and, Memorial Day. And to the country and anyone that served uh, for us in defending this great country. Uh, hopefully I had a good weekend there, Tommy. Um, wow, and what a great thing to say, Tim. Hey. Yeah. I want to reiterate that. That is, and it, that's like a word you would use. Reiterate, reiterate. What could be the word day? Word of the word day, of the baby. Day. But so reiterate. Thank you to all those people that were out there and served our country, the greatest country in the world, as far as I'm concerned. Tim, go ahead. Yeah. So the premium live event, as we like to call them, the pay per view. Um. So, again, like the one thing that that jumped out to me 
Right. I, I go right to the, the first match. And the thing that drove me nuts was that we're showcasing this this new heavyweight championship belt. Okay. And we're we're right out the gate. This is this is the first match. Like in my eyes, I think I, I said this on the show last week, that has to be the premium spot. It has to be your main event. And I didn't like it out the gate, right? But as you know, the pay-per-view developed or the premium live event developed, we saw you know, how it all unfolded. And at the end of the show, I was okay with you know kind of how they how they orchestrated you know the matches in in, in that order. Um yeah. I thought it was a, a really good pay-per-view. Um five matches, six matches. It was so total there was AJ Styles, Seth Rollins, we had Trish and Becky, we had Gunther, Mustafa Ali. Well, it's it's tough because you have the squash by Rhea Ripley, so that's in there. Then you have the Bianca, uh, Belair. Bianca Belair, and you have the the tag title match. Am I missing any? I want to say six. Yeah. Little... Oh gosh, I'm hope I'm I hope I'm not missing any, but you know I feel like so I feel like I'm missing one. I mean, I know we've had some some pretty crazy cards, but is, is that a little underwhelming? Am I like, am I missing on that or just no, in terms you, of no, because is that not a lot of, is that not a lot of matches? Is that what you're saying? Is, yeah, it's is underwhelming that... that way, Tim. I love the, the not a lot of matches. I, I think that that's a good thing for pay-per-views because one, you're going to give time to your performers to tell the story in a match and develop what's happening in that match. Did I say Cody versus Brock? I think I miss Cody versus Brock. I'm going to say seven matches. And I think, uh, yeah, there were seven matches. Okay. So I can't believe I missed Cody versus Brock. That's a, that's shame on me. But <laughs> so even seven matches is is not a lot for a um, pay-per-view premium live event, whatever you want to call it. So uh, it, gives the, it gives the wrestlers a chance to tell their story. It gives them time in ring. And and to go and basically it was six matches because the Becky or the uh, Rhea Ripley match lasted a minute and ten seconds. An Italian match, yeah, um, yeah. So I mean, I thought from start to finish it, it flowed really well. Uh, I, I we I, we both saw Seth Rollins winning winning that that belt, right? As predicted on this show, we we yeah. decided that he was going to win mathematically. It had to be they need that belt on Monday Night Raw. We'll get to that a little bit later, though, the Raw and the SmackDown quote-unquote split. But go ahead, Tim. Yeah, I thought the match went well, as expected, right, with, with those two performers. A um, lot of counters in that in that match. Um, the one thing I really did enjoy was the pedigree by AJ Styles on um, Seth Rollins, which uh, was kind of out of nowhere. You haven't seen that you know, kind of before I think he also did the styles clash off the top rope too. Did he not do that? Yeah. Styles clash off the top. And the, the other uh, spot in the match that I said, I enjoyed Seth traditionally does uh, like a suplex off the top and then goes into uh, I want to say a Falcon arrow it's called. And he did it like it was a backwards suplex into a backwards 
slam, which was a was a twist on an old move. And and these are the things that I love seeing as a fan. Now, this will be my knock on a Randy Orton, and I'm not saying Randy Orton isn't great, but the, it's the same old moves. A Cesaro, who I loved, a Sheamus, a Gunther, these guys are putting twists on their moves. Brett the Hitman Hart used to do it all the time. He would walk around the ring and say, how can I put the sharpshooter in this position or a figure four here? Or how do I make it the same move but a little bit of a twist or different? And AJ Styles dropping a pedigree on Seth Rollins, one, is great for telling a story in a match. Two, it's like, oh, wow, he just did his move to him you know right. it, it's a very yeah. cool thing a uh, uh, styles clash off the top is a twist on a move that it just it amps up the the match it makes it more enjoyable to watch yeah and we're seeing these wrestlers do this more and more like we saw um with rounds do the stomp on omos off the top rope right we saw that exactly yes so these guys are figuring out ways right to as you said, reinvent themselves or even expand upon what they already do well. Uh, and they're taking it to new heights. And yeah, that happens with, with everything in sports. And it's great to see them develop these moves um, on a higher level. It it makes them look even better, right, in ring. Um, and, it, and it makes for better entertainment in the match too as well. Uh, so we see... Obviously, Seth Rollins win win the title. Triple H comes out, um, yeah, hands in the title. Pretty solid moment. It's good that you're seeing a lot, in my opinion, a lot of Triple H. Right? You're, yeah, all the 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 doubters out there about whether he's in control, creative. He's firmly put himself on TV as the guy. So. Right. Obviously, he's he can't wrestle anymore, but he is the one that's that's pulling the strings in terms of what they want to showcase on television, right? So, anytime there's a big announcement, anytime there's a big match, right? They Triple H is out in front, and the one thing that I really think is cool what they're doing, um, and uh, I'm fast forwarding a little bit, but they're doing these press conferences. I love right? the press conferences. And some of them can be hokey a little bit, um, but some of them give you a little bit of insight um, into the actual character, what they're thinking, right? And part of it is they're still in character, and some of it is is like real, right? And right. You see real moments from these guys after their matches, um, and I think it, it kind of builds the brand in a different way. Uh, and develops the storylines, and it yeah. does a lot of things for them, and Part of that is, and we've talked about it multiple times, is that realism. You know, you have a press conference in UFC. After you win a fight, you have a press conference. After you lose, you have a press conference. And Dana White talks to the the press and, and this and that. And Triple H is doing that too. And it makes it feel more real and gives you that idea of like, okay, this is this is what's happening. And Triple H is in a great spot because he has said that he is in charge of creative it's been said he's been at the front he's been in the front of everything you know all these major announcements and everything like that and still the fans are saying anything that goes wrong that's vince putting his twist on thing and anything that goes right triple h gets the credit so right now he's in a great spot where he can do no wrong because anything that's wrong is vince's fault and anything that's right, well, that must be Triple H writing it. And a guy we've talked about, too, named Rob Fee, who is in 
in charge of long-term creative. So, Tim, what I want to get to is the 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 big story from this weekend and the pay-per-view, the final match, and we're gonna come back to we're gonna come back to Seth and AJ Styles as well, because we both had the same initial thought. Why is this on first? And as you said, as the the event played out, we realized that it was so the the big moment of the night, the tag team championship match with Roman Reigns and Sola Sokoa against Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Great build up to the match. Sami Zayn comes out. He speaks in the 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 native tongue, their language to to the crowd, which you could tell it was a big pop for them, you know, and he's talking to them. The match going on, and, and of course, this is a great match. A lot of energy, a lot of 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 falls or close calls and in, in, in the falls and everything like that. And it comes down to they're now out of the ring. The Usos come in, they take out Kevin Owens, they bury him up. Referees knocked table. out. Referees knocked out from the spear. And, and there was some interesting stuff too, where Roman was yelling at the referee, right, and saying like, "I'm telling you to do this. Shut the shut up. You know, like I'll tell you what we're doing, this and that." Because he should have been disqualified for a couple things there. And then he accidentally spears the referee. Referees out. They take out Kevin Owens. They come in and they go for the super kick, the double super kick on Sami Zayn, and they kick Solo to where everyone's like, "Oh, whoa, that was a mistake." They should not have kicked. Like, there's already been tensions brewing. What's going to happen here? Next thing you know, Roman comes in. He slaps, you know, pushes him away, pushes Jimmy away. And now him and Jay are in each other's faces. Roman's yelling at him. Day one is over. This is done. He's mean mugging him. He's grabbing him in the face and throwing him in. And he's, he's yelling at him. And then out of nowhere comes the super kick from Jimmy Uso. And the pop was nuclear you know everyone whoa what is happening right here tim obviously the biggest moment of the pay-per-view this storyline it is it's so well done it's one of the greatest storylines and part of me seeing it it makes me sad because i know eventually it's going to end and as a wrestling fan that's been following this for 30 years you don't get many moments like this what did you think of that moment what did you think of everything that went down and what stood out to you in that um so the the timing on everything was pretty impeccable and you know again with like like rehearsing this stuff right like there's only one shot to get it right it's um, live baby yeah and that's what what makes like what you talk about storytelling right um what makes this moment so great is Roman is out of the ring and dude, it's everything. It's how the camera's positioned. Right. And it gives you, you know, kind of a wide look into to what's actually going on. Right. So you see Roman, you know, he's outside the ring, he's on his knees and he's like coming to a little bit. And, you know, you see him, you look to the right and he's, they see, you know, the, the Uso super kick solo. Right. And he sees the remnants remnants of that, like, and the timing is just like impeccable on it. And yeah, you know, he's stunned. Like, why are you kicking solo? And then all of a sudden, yeah, you know, just the build up to that, you know, the the doubt, right, with with the Usos and you know, how Roman's been treating them and solo has kind of been undermining, you know, the whole bloodline and 
you know, him and Heyman have kind of been off to the side. Like there's all these different storylines that are kind of intertwining within so many layers to this story. And it's like, which way could this go? And what makes this whole thing great is that the last person that you suspected that was going to do this is the guy that actually did it. Jimmy pulled the trigger and you thought Jimmy, it was it had to be Jay or yep. Solo. So they put so much effort, right, into making you think that Jay is going to be the guy that breaks the straw, breaks the camel's back, right? That's the guy that's going to really turn this thing upside down. And, you know, it's the other brother, right? Yeah. And in the end, he's still loyal to Roman. He's yelling Joe, which is Roman's real name. As they're pulling out, Joe, like checking on, on Roman, you yep. know, and it's like this was supposed to be the guy that said enough, and I'm I'm pulling away. Yeah, so I mean, it, it's it's the old, um, you know, hidden ball trick, right? Like, it, yeah, it's, it's what they, they did. Like, they us. make they make you think that hey, look, hey, it's under cup number three, and then all of a sudden, boom, you get hit with uh, yo, it's under cup one under cup number one and it's jimmy uso who who drives a spike into what what the bloodline is and yeah you can say it's been the greatest probably faction right um one of the most dominant in the history of uh, professional wrestling i mean you could say the most dominant yeah so uh i thought it was just was just well done um and you know give the credit to the other wrestlers too for just staying out of the ring, staying out of out of kind of the way of of letting that story unfold. Uh, and then, you know, obviously with how it how it ended up, um, it was just it was just a perfect ending, right? It just it tied itself up into a nice little bow. Um, yeah, the Usos leave the ring right after the super kicks. Right, a referee comes down after the you know, KO and. And uh, Sammy, uh, you know, finish finish the story on those guys, and yeah, yeah, and uh, you're left to see. Well, Roman's out of the ring; he doesn't get pinned. Solo takes the pin, so you don't mm-hmm. have Roman still getting pinned, and it's been years since he's been pinned. And you got Sammy Zayn then holding up the titles, telling Roman, "You can't have them." He tweeted out, "Lost a battle, won the war." I, I don't think it's over for you, Sammy. I mean, I, I mean, I know we're moving away from that, and we should be moving away from Kevin Owens, Sammy Zayn, and the Bloodline. But I don't think it's over yet for you. Um, the the moment that stood out to me, Tim, and you know, this is something that, and these guys improvise. They're out there and they're professionals. And they've been doing this for a while. When he hits that second super kick on Roman after he says to to Jay, you, I'm doing what you should have done a long time ago. I got your back. It's me and you now. And he super kicks Roman again. And the yell that like organic, like ah, where he like lets it out. It's like, whoa, like, holy shit. Like that to me was incredible storytelling, whether it was meant to be or not, but like that you could tell that yell, that weight of, it's done. I'm done. I'm I'm taking myself away from you and we're moving on. It's me and Jay now. And Jay still, I think, questioning, like, what am I really doing here? So that whole moment, incredible moment in 
wrestling history, I think they're going to be talking about that for years, to be honest. And there's going to be shows about that moving on. And when they interview these guys about that stuff, that's going to be great stuff to listen to. Where do we go from here? You know, it seems like you said they've tied a bow on maybe the Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn involvement for now. No, I think, I think, I think the bow really was tied on, you know, how that match ended really. That's what I'm kind of referencing. Okay. okay. Hey, like, Hey, they walked away. Right. Uh, Obviously. Yeah. There's more to come with that. Like it's not done. It's, you don't just tie something up in a, in a pay-per-view event and nothing, you know, falls out from it. Right. Like you're going to see more, more development on that, but it was just a nice way to tie up the, the, the pay-per-view or the PLA, uh, you know, for that night. Um, where does it go from here? I, I don't. Now, Roman and, and Paul, Paul, they are going to be on SmackDown this week. They're going to address this. Mm-hmm. How does Roman address this? Um, I mean, he's he's done it kind of head on every time, right? He he wants to be in control, right? He, he's the alpha, right? Um, obviously, Paul Heyman's going to be there in his corner, probably in his ear doing certain things. I just don't know um, how it's handled. There's rumors of, like, Rikishi coming on. I, I think I mentioned that to you on SmackDown yeah, or whatever. No, yeah, I saw that. He tweeted um, something out enough with uh with this whole scenario you know and it's i guess he's saying enough of roman's quote-unquote abuse you know right um i mean he has to right he has to be thrusted into some type of match right he has to defend his his belt right so where does that go from here right like that's that's the question that's being asked like where does does it does it is it a singles match like is it with one of the usos is it one is it solo like i think there's still more time to kind of develop where where this heads and and i think that's what's great about wwe is like you don't you have no idea where he's going to go with it on friday night right he he might come out and put the blame on somebody else or you know like it's going to be difficult to to see or predict where that's going to go but i mean yeah, I can I can see him trying to keep the the bloodline in terms of him and and Solo kind of together. Um, maybe it's a tag match versus those two. What if Rikishi yeah. comes out and they beat down Rikishi? That's the Usos' dad. It's 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 Solo's dad too. But you beat down Rikishi and and call out the Usos. I'm seeing a tag team match come up from this, you know. And then and then two cool runs down and saves Rikishi. W O R M Worm. <laughs> I wish that would happen. Too cool was what it was a, an incredible tag team. They were they were way over. Scotty Too Hotty, you know, um, was awesome. So one of the great one of the one of the biggest moments in uh, in wrestling in the last year and maybe uh, of all time. You know, I don't think it was as big as Sammy hitting uh, Roman with the chair, but it's right there. So, as we were talking about early earlier, AJ Styles versus Seth Rollins. Incredible match. If you haven't had a chance to check it out, that's what started the show. And I tweeted something out there that, hey, I thought the this new, this new belt was supposed to be the belt. They're trying to make it very prestigious. There's been a lot of rumors about it becoming the belt. It wasn't a consolation prize. Well, 
when they started it on the show, it's like, well, yes, it is a consolation prize. It is something that's not the main event. It is not this thing. And I tweeted out, obviously, we found out later, hindsight's 2020 as a fan. Okay, this is what's happening. That was their plan. Great match. Seth came out on Monday Night Raw this week, and the crowd was super hot for him. They're singing his song. And lo and behold, as it's going on, what happens, Tim? AJ Styles comes out. AJ Styles was drafted to SmackDown. I know we've said it before. Was this draft a complete waste of time? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh-huh. it just it's just it proves time and time again. You know, we talked about um yeah, there, there's people on brands that are holding the belts for the other brand. Like what like what is again, you put all this time and effort into making a fake draft. And these guys aren't even on the same on, on the shows that they're supposed to be on. So, I, I just scrap it, dude. Like, like stop, stop. Yeah, stop selling stop. this this whole draft thing. And, and look, it's not. We hear it every once in a while, right? Like, I think it's the first time I've heard the draft, you know, mentioned since the draft when AJ Styles brought it up. He's like, I know I was got got drafted by SmackDown, and I'm here on Raw, but. After we don't really hear it again, like throughout the year, right? Like, oh, why is he here on SmackDown? He's a raw superstar, or like he was drafted. Like, I, I don't know. I just think the whole the whole idea is silly. Um, you know, I, I don't know if it's just a, like a, a TV rights thing where they have to have certain people on certain shows, or but it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, if they're going to keep on crossing back and forth, then let it be, dude. Just let yeah. everyone just. You don't have to have the Raw branded. You just go back to the WWE brand. You have a SmackDown show. You have a Raw show, and that's that. Yeah, at that point, just drop the belts. Say this belt's on this show, and this belt's on that show, and leave everyone else wherever they're they're at. Because currently, you got AJ Styles coming over to Raw whenever he feels like. You know, the tag teams are on whatever it is they want. And you got the women's Raw champion drafted to SmackDown, and you got the, the SmackDown women's champion drafted to Raw. So what the fuck is going on with the draft? Pardon my language. I'm trying to trying to use less curse words as we're on here, probably, Tim. Probably has. Um, and, and look, these wrestlers probably have contracts too, where they can only work so many shows. Right. Yeah, and or I, I don't know. It could be something along those lines. And I, I just. I just don't get it. I really don't. I don't know. <laughs> no, you're not the only one. And there's nothing really to get besides it's a waste of time and they shouldn't really be doing it. The, the draft, make it make sense. If you're going to do it, make it make sense, okay? And and since they've done it, what did they do it a month ago? It hasn't made sense since. So who do you think Seth Rollins, AJ Styles, they had a little feud there with the uh, – with the judgment day and it led to the main event and it was a good raw. You're not going to get a ton from this Monday night raw because they're going to start to build into the money in the bank premium live event, which is coming up. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, get again. And so my question is for you, we've got the new heavyweight champion, WWE heavyweight champion. Who would you like his next opponent to be? Hmm. Um, so it's strict. See, I, again, like we're, I'm thinking about like the rosters <laughs> and trying don't to don't think out. about the rosters, forget the rosters. I know yeah. 
you got a Gunther on there and you got you got you know stuff like that. You got the judgment day that's on there, and that's where I think I'm gonna head with this. I think you get you get a chance to go him against, and they kind of teased it. Dominic Mysterio. I think you can put him out there and have have the judgment day coming after Seth Rollins. And you have Dominic Mysterio go against him at the next premium live event, put on a good match, have Seth win, and he can retain the title and carry it going forward into SummerSlam. That's my hope. Uh, see, I'm I'm out on that. I what I like more, and this is I think I brought this out last time. And I thought for some reason that uh, Mustafa Ali was going to beat Gunther um, yeah, at the premium live event, which, by the way, was an incredible match. Um, yeah, Gunther has not put on a, a terrible match since I think I've seen him wrestle. And Guy never has a bad match. Yeah. He's, he's so underrated, I think, it, by the casual fan. And so you bring – I, I – I still think that like Gunther, look, I, they're gonna probably want to keep him as the Intercontinental Champion because that 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 belt does have a lot of history to it. A lot of big names have worn that belt for for years and years and years in the past, right? Um, not years at a time. I'm just saying, like big names have held that belt, and he is certainly a, a big name right now. But I mean, is it time for? for Gunther to to be pushed into that main event like you know world heavyweight champion type atmosphere yet like I mean we don't have we've lost um I haven't seen him in so long we've we've lost uh Drew McIntyre Drew McIntyre now where where he hasn't been on TV for at least two months since WrestleMania right Still in contract negotiations, and his contract's coming to an end soon. So he's gone. You need another player in that division, um, and he has everything that you want in in that type of, you know, in, in that division, right? You need somebody that's going to carry a belt, and he proved that he can carry the Intercontinental. I would love to see, like, a Dominic Mysterio be put put on, give him the belt. And like you could probably have him hold it for a little while with the judgment day, right? Like you can have him uh yeah, put a put a belt on Dominic and he keeps on winning with interference, like very similar to to how uh you know some of the bloodline have held onto their belts, right? right. Like I maybe I don't know. I, I just don't, at some I, point you do have to put some you do have to put some hardware on the judgment day if you're gonna have them keep coming out and getting involved you know they, they it seemed like they were in bed with the bloodline and roman for a little bit or mm. even an imperium it's like okay there's only so much these guys can talk about being we run this show it's like well you, you don't have any belts the only one that has a belt is Rhea. everyone else is just standing there you know talking shit they you don't you don't back it up so i you know I, I see what you're saying. Put a belt on him. I think, though, when WWE thinks about it, and there's a lot of things going on, these belts and how long you've held it, Gunther is coming up on the all-time longest intercontinental championship, which is held by the Honky Tonk Man. And I want to say it's it's not out of his reach, and I feel like we might be able to see him him get to that achievement. Yeah, but like, what do we? That's what we're doing with every belt now. So Roman I know. Has, I mean, 
we've all we've all talked about how you put some stock behind these belts when you hold it for a longer period of time. Right. But now we have three belts. Well, the 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 Usos obviously just lost the tag teams, but I mean they've had they had it for a record period of time, right? Roman Reigns has held the Universal for a record period of time. Uh, Gunther's coming up on on breaking that record, right? It's yeah. It, I, I wonder how close Theory is on the United States title reign. You know, he he probably isn't too far off. Yeah, to, to be honest, but that's a, that's a whole other story. All right, so there's a lot of there's a lot of people out there that 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 could go with Seth Rollins. You can really put him against anyone, and we'll see what happens with that. All right, Brock versus Cody Lesnar, or Brock versus Cody Lesnar. Brock Lesnar versus Cody Rhodes was uh, one of the main events for this show of Night of Champions. Tim, what did you think of the match overall? I know we have some complaints with the story in this. Does anyone believe that Cody broke his arm? No one believes that. No one believes that Cody broke his arm. Um. I mean, it's ridiculous that they continue to push this this whole angle. Uh, it makes no sense. I mean, he's using his broken arm as a, a weapon. Yeah, during, that during was ridiculous the... too. Your arm's broken and you're slamming it again. No, that's not happening. No, yeah, but it's I... it's titanium that's covering it. That. Yeah, I just don't. I don't know. We keep on talking about how how great like the, you know, these these matches have been in the last pay-per-views the last premium live events have been really good and the storytelling has been great it just this this cody brock thing has so many holes in it. it it just doesn't make any sense to me i mean the wrestling has been good yeah uh, the, the in-ring stuff has been good but you don't you don't need the whole broken arm broken arm titanium thing like Put him in a sling for a little bit, right? Let him work it out. I guess I I don't know. I mean, what what are, what are they trying to accomplish here with the with the broken arm? Yeah, it's like, too much. It's it's a miss. It's 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 definitely a, a miss on that. You 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 know, I think we said it on last week's show. Say something, maybe a ligament damage or something like. Okay, he's injured, but a broken arm. There's not a person in the world that is bre- that is beating. Brock Lesnar in a fight with a broken arm. There's no one in the world that's doing that, okay? And unless it's like some lucky super kick by, I don't know, John Bones Jones gets a, an incredible kick to the face or something and it doesn't get touched on that broken arm, but whatever. No one is beating Brock Lesnar with a broken arm, and we just said it before on the show earlier, believability, okay? If he's got a broken arm... There's no way, especially if he's in the hold that got his arm broken for five minutes in the match. You know that it's like this is ridiculous. He would break it again. He'd he'd break it even more if he if he's got him in that hold for so long. Um. Yeah. I will and- say this. I, I'm sorry, Tim, to cut you off, but I will say this that the sell on it. I thought was good. It was something like you could see how much pain he was. And once he got him into kind of that seated position where there was nowhere to go, it was like, well, where are they, where is he going to go now? I mean, he's stuck. And for the first time, and then the second time to do it kind of a lame, he passed out this or that, but it's that, that is the story. I feel like 
it, it, it's a it, they dropped the ball. I like how he, I like like to your point. I like how he gets to the ropes, right? The first one he reaches. It looks like from the camera angle that he's not even close, right? And when he gets to the rope, you're like, damn! I I mean, it's pretty impressive that he got to the rope, right? It's a it's a pretty tremendous feat to get get through Brock Lesnar, um, you know, and then. The the way he he hits the uh, what's it called the Cody not the Cody cutter the uh, yeah the Cody cutter or no uh crossroads crossroads he hits the cross crossroads and he tries to go for a third time and then he gets put in it again right like um it was a rather quick match was it not well that's Brock traditionally he has quick matches on mm-hmm. the card where was it it was but real quick nine minutes and forty seconds so. It was besides of, Ripley. It was a the second, the second quickest match, you know. So it it wasn't it wasn't very long. So do we get a third? Match? Oh yeah, he challenged him on Raw to a third match, and I want to say it's going to happen at Money in the Bank. And I showed you that picture. We both got a good chuckle out of it. Of you know, Cody Rhodes in a wheelchair, all casted up, going against Brock Lesnar. You know, it, it, insurmountable. There's no way he can well, even compete. This won't be a sanctioned match. You know. Well, the way the way that this this whole trilogy is playing out, uh, look, Cody Rhodes has to lose, right? You have to. He has to be somewhat mortal. You can't. You can't go up against Brock Lesnar and beat him all three times like he did with Seth Rollins when he first came in. He came in right. with Seth Rollins, beats him, you know, and then come comes back with the the torn pack and beats him again. Like, big props to Seth Rollins, by the way, for doing that because you know he's putting the guy over big time. Obviously, he's going out anyway on surgery. So for Seth Rollins to be as an established wrestler in the company to 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 do that was, was pretty impressive. It's selfless and, and, you know, it helps out the company and, you know, in total. Um, and it shows what a professional he is, but you can't do the same with Brock Lesnar because he's bigger than life. You ha- you come across these superstars in the WWF that are, or WWE, I'm, I apologize, that are bigger than almost like what the company is, right? Like, like Brock Lesnar is one of those people, right? Like Absolutely. Stone Cold, Stone Cold was one of those guys. The Rock was one of those guys. Hulk Hogan was always one of those guys. Brock Lesnar's one of those guys. And you just can't have Cody just wipe the floor with him. And I don't know how this next match is going to go out. I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to establish credibility with him and his character and his toughness, his resiliency. Um, but what they do with that, right, is going to be the key. So you do this trilogy with Brock. Now, what are you going to what are you going to do with it? Now that you build him up into this into this just polished, like completely polished, like they're he's so over at this point. Right. Where do you go with it now? Does he yeah. finish his story now? Does he have that match with Roman Reigns? Because I said before the only way he finishes the story is if he beats Roman Reigns for the for the universal title. That's the only way he finishes the story. If they don't make it go that direction, then I think it's a complete failure what you've built over the course of the time that he's arrived to to this point right now. I think it's a total failure if he if they don't let him finish the story. Right. And the way they're doing things too can also he's he's over, he's been over. 
and it can hurt his character when you have it like, oh, what we'll do is well, it's very old school, like it's the old mentality of wrestling. Oh, we'll have him fight with a broken arm, and that'll make the fans love him even more because he'll have a broken arm and he'll still go. And it's like, look, dude, it's just not believable. I'm sorry, it's not believable. It'll come out next week. Cody Rhodes really does have a broken arm or something. <laughs> <laughs> and it, you know, if anybody would still go with a broken arm, it is Cody Rhodes, as we've seen with the torn pack before. But I think it can actually hurt his character. And like you're saying, if he were to wipe the floor with a Brock Lesnar, it would hurt Brock Lesnar's character, and it would hurt Cody because the fans would be see very clearly, you know, hey, this is ridiculous, and they would start to turn on Cody Rhodes because of poor writing where they dropped the ball on it. So the match we want to talk about next is Gunther versus Mustafa Ali. Great match. I thought Ali looked really good in this match. Gunther, as we said moments ago, doesn't seem to ever have a bad match. All his matches seem pretty good. I really enjoyed this match. I thought the story of the match was was done really well. In the end, Gunther found a way to win. Tim, what did you think? And I know you weren't very familiar with Mustafa Ali or Mustafa Ali. What did you think of him after the match? Um, he's very much in the same build as a you know as a ricochet, right? Like. Very active around the ring. Um, he's got a great look about him. Uh, and he's just, you know, he held up really well with with Gunther. Um, you know, different, obviously contrasting styles, them two. Uh, we've seen this type of match happen, you know, before, though, right, with with different wrestlers where, you know, you have a high flyer in there and a, and a, and a brute, you know, like, like Gunther. And, you know, typically – it depends on the skill of the wrestlers. And, and I think they carried it really well throughout. Um, there's really good moments for uh, Ali where, you know, he's flying off the top rope and he's catching. Uh, he, I think he caught, what, what's his, oh, he does the, um, the total flip right off the top rope. Yeah. Oh yeah. I want to say 450. It's 450 cool. splash. Yeah. I mean, he hit that. He nailed um, that. That was like yeah. a perfect one. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, there's there's times in the match where you think like, oh my god, like this dude could really pull it off. He's in front of, I don't know if he's from there, but yeah, you know, his maybe his background is in in. He, he had talked some... about being a wrestler that was going to fight there, and it was going to be a, a, someone that looked like the kids in the stands. I I didn't really do enough research into where exactly he's from. But like he said, it's the look of those of those fans out there, you know, and right. so they can relate right away. So I, I just felt like it was a good spot. It gives him, yeah, I think automatic credibility, um, you know, in in that match and how he came out, um, and and maybe it springboards him into some some different type of matches where you know he does have shots and stuff like that. I know he was on social media, and we're seeing this you know a little bit more happen, right? And I think it might be obviously I think it's coached a little bit, right? Where right these guys post these videos on their social media on Twitter, and it's like a minute video of them complaining or you know doing a testimonial and then all of a sudden yeah, you know, they're in a match right we saw it with uh xavier woods right xavier woods got some 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 yes publicity he's done a lot too. of that yes so he won the maybe, king of the ring because of that yeah so maybe this is 
this is what we're seeing now is, hey, they're taking the social media. It looks like they're kind of disgruntled, right? And then they go into the ring and they prove themselves and they give it a little bit more, get themselves a little bit more credibility, right? And they get some more exposure on social media for this video. And then, yeah, they have a good match and then we'll see how it plays out. But I, I really think he came off pretty well, like from from what we've seen from him in the past and just on just regular WWE television. He's just been a journeyman guy that's been floating around like a fly backstage and gets the gimmick like, was a little weird. Like, you know, like he gets tossed in a match like all of a sudden. All right. Well, you're going to fight, you know, so and so and you're going to go wrestle him right now. And then he has to go down the ring and wrestle somebody. Right. Yeah. And I think uh, what was this thing like positive Ali or something like that? Like some weird like. Yeah. Was like, yeah. OK, whatever. So we'll we'll see how how it plays out, but I mean to give that guy that spot against Gunther, um, I think he performed well and I think he delivered. Yeah, and you know that might help him get a shot moving forward. Now there's been rumors out on who Gunther's next opponent will be, and Tim, I know I, I wanted to hold it from you to get your raw opinion on that raw opinion on that, but the rumor is that Gunther's next opponent will be. Matt Riddle, what do you think about that? A matchup between the bro and Gunther. Kill me now. <laughs> you know what? I, I feel like it will fit the narrative of Gunther and Imperium, their their respect for the traditions of wrestling and RK Bro, or you know, the bro is is totally opposite of that. But I'm not I we've talked about this before. I'm not buying into Matt Riddle. I just there's something about him. I don't know if it's just not wearing shoes or what it is, but he's not the guy that I'm invested into. And, you know, being with a Gunther can elevate you. So I'm curious to see if they do choose him, if that will go, especially someone that was suspended for a long time because yeah, he he's was, got this history. So why would re- why would you reward him? He's well, being he was, rewarded. Yeah. Uh, and he was look he, before he went off TV. Obviously, him and and Randy Orton had a successful tag team. Um, yeah, the merch probably sales were through the roof. Well, that's I bet it. The merch sales were probably pretty high, and that's you know that's where a lot of these wrestlers get their push because they're selling merch, and that makes sense. It's a business. Yeah. So I I don't know. I mean I'm a, I don't see it in terms of the entertainment value. Eh. Um, I'd rather, dude, I, I mean, I would have 10 matches of him, Sheamus and Drew McIntyre before I would have one with him and Guther. Yeah. But obviously you can't keep going down that same road, I guess. But, um, you know, I, I just don't, I don't, I don't see love it. that pick. I, I, uh, I feel like other people could be, I would love to see an LA Knight go against him. I'd love to see, give Montez Ford a chance to showcase himself against, a Gunther, you know, someone that people are interested. I would love a Chad Gable to go yeah, but into so, that. So that, like, we go back to the draft. Like, you have your opportunity then to split those guys. Like, why, why keep together the uh, the Street Profits when they're not winning any titles? They're not. They're clearly not challenging for any tag team titles. Why not just split them? Let those guys do whatever they got to do on their own, right? Let Montez Ford show off his athleticism, try in the singles. In, in, Even in the Angelo singles Dawkins. Up. I wouldn't hate yeah. that. 
you know, he's a he's he was a NCAA football player and 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 a you know all American. I feel like why not have him do something where he gets it? You know, give him his shot too. He's kind of been overlooked in this street profits thing. Obviously, Montez Ford, everyone's given him the idea as a bigger star, but you know, like you're saying, split him up and put the, put them in there. You know, I yeah, th- th- I I would say Riddle's kind of had his chance and he fumbled, and I feel like should. Take a back seat for a little bit. Yeah, no, I agree. He comes back. He goes right into the into the thing with the the bloodline against the bloodline, and he's with the hottest. Like, why is Matt Riddle being pushed into these things? I, you know, I guess it's the merch sales. I don't know. I don't get it. All right, Tim. Well, we 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 covered a lot. Right, one more thing, I just want to touch on before we move on. Last week, I was very critical of Becky Lynch and her her use of you know what what seemed to me very hypocritical of her to bring up the thing and i guess my what i would like to say about that again is now is becky lynch is supposed to be the good guy the good the man you know is supposed to be the good guy in this whole show when you start doing things like a vince mcmahon bad guy where where are we you know i know you're trying to sell the fight and I will say I was interested in the outcome of that match because of the things that the promos that Becky Lynch has cut on Trish Stratus. But even the promo on Monday Night Raw where she comes out and said, I will make your life a living hell and this and that. I was like, are you the good guy or are you the bad guy? Like, I'm, I'm confused. Your character development isn't very good here. She ends up getting laid out. Trish and Becky both had marks from that match and i thought it was pretty good you know trish isn't the youngest anymore and for her to perform pretty well i thought it was good i thought zoe stark was strong and coming out Mm -hmm. but you saw trish's chin after that match it was pretty pretty banged up really banged up yeah and so i thought that was a decent match i will say that i i had to give becky her kudos for drawing me in with that but i would say as far as character development are you the good guy or are you the bad guy what are you what are you doing here you know you try to sell a fight but you're 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 not coming off as a face well no i mean look trish is clearly the antagonist here right like right she i mean she turned on becky um so there's gonna be some type of vitriol towards her so like true why 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 would you be you know, look you're trying to be a face but like what are you gonna say all nice things to her like you gotta be cutthroat right like you got you got yeah but stab- you've got this person that's been fighting for this women's movement and getting the main event at a wrestlemania and all this other stuff and this and that and then you're gonna go throw in the face of the person that has the the reason you're able to do that is because of the stuff that Trish, but those were different times. She was doing things back then that were different. They had brawn panties matches back then. You know what I mean? And that she was a sex symbol. And now it's like looked at as like, Oh, how pathetic, you know what? I like, no, it was, it, it, it was the different time. She wasn't a pathetic person for doing that. She was selling, she was selling herself and she did. Maybe it it's she, Tom. Maybe it's part of the storyline, Tom. Maybe it's, Maybe you're using that as, hey, if if you wouldn't have done those matches, if you wouldn't have 
bark like a dog for Vince McMahon, maybe it wouldn't have taken us this long to get a main event at WrestleMania for women. Maybe if you would have stood up every once in a while instead of, you know, getting in a Braun Panty and doing a Braun Panty match, you know, maybe, maybe you would have been a little bit ahead of the curve. Well, you she know, did. Like, she did stand up. It wasn't that she didn't. It was mm-hmm. it was the stuff that she did despite all of that. You know what I mean? And like mm-hmm. we said, it was a different time. First person to to main event of Monday night. First females to main event of Monday Night Raw were her and Lita. You know, either way, even saying stuff like that is is to me heelish. Are you a good guy or you a bad guy, Becky? What are you? What do you want to be here? You know. And by the way, quit quit uh. Quit ripping off of uh, Kill Bill, all right? You're not fucking Kill Bill, all right? I, I'm i not a big Becky Lynch fan. <laughs> hear, hear me trying to say that, you know. I guess it just comes out of not. But hey, you, you have, she's got you me. Have, you have a two-minute and, like, 30-second rant on Becky Lynch almost every episode. <laughs> she must be doing something right. Uh, every episode of Jabroni, the Jabroni Drive. What? And by the way, where is our street sign at? It fell. It fell down it. Here it is. Sorry. Shout out people. For Shout all people. for all for all of you not not uh not watching Jabroni Listen, Drive. By the way, Tim, did I, I hit watched... that Jabroni Drive great last time? You're like, where's the side? And I was like, and right <laughs> as the music. Boom. I hit the uh Jabroni Drive sign. Our, bud- our budget's uh, a little low right now, so that's what we can <laughs> so just sit here and hold it. <laughs> But either way, I get and like I was saying, I mean, kudos to Becky. She's got me ranting about her every fucking week. So I guess she's doing something right. All right. So Money in the Bank qualifying matches have started. And I'm I'm trying to bring up a topic here now, Tim. And this is something I want to get into. So the Money in the Bank matches have started. And the first match that was on Monday Night Raw was The Miz versus Ricochet. Okay, and I look at a performer like Ricochet, and I think, man, what a talent. Every time I watch Ricochet, he's done all these things, these high-flying things. He ends up winning against The Miz. He's going to be in the Money in the Bank ladder match, and he's going to do great. I know he's going to do things on there that we're like, wow, that's going to be tweeted, that's going to be, you know, get the views. It's like, wow, look at him do off the top of this ladder, you know, death-defying stuff. He did the thing with Logan Paul at the Royal Rumble where they were both on either side of the ring. They springboard off the top rope, clothesline each other, an incredible moment that was seen all over the world, millions of views. However, he is now going into this Money in the Bank match, and a guy that seems to have it all, what's the most important thing that you can have, and we've kind of talked about it on this show, is is can you sell a fight? Can you have and bring out that emotion from the fans and 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 show the thing this is where ricochet's problem is and maybe it's the writing or maybe it's the booking i don't know this guy has everything except for i haven't i couldn't tell you one major storyline that he's been in that i've been invested i haven't i don't know one and he's been up on the main roster for years he does this weird thing um and I don't know if you notice it while when he wrestles, like he oversells a lot. Like he does, like he does. He's so dramatic with like a lot of his movements and things. Like you'll see him like do his splash and he'll pop up and he'll like he just the way he like carries himself like in the ring is kind of strange. Um, 
Yeah, he's never dazed. He's either knocked out or he's he's a hundred percent. You know what I mean? It's never like, oh, they stunned him a little bit there. He's either he's out. Yeah. <laughs> and so, all of a sudden he's back. Um, I, I mean, look, I had no problem with the way he he wrestles. Again, I, I've only been watching for a little time and he's impressed me the way he handles himself, but totally impressive. But you're right. I mean, I don't know what what he does right on the mic. You don't hardly ever hear him speak, right? He's been teamed with Bra- uh, Braun Strowman for a little bit, and even then, like, he hasn't really said much. I think Braun Strowman does most of the mic work when they speak or whatever, but, um, yeah, it hasn't really been much. Um, but, dude, just t- talking about that match real quick, Again, like I, I was pretty impressed with with the Miz again with the way he handled himself in the ring. Like, I mean, he he pulled off a couple solid like high flying moves, like in, in Hurricane that. Rana's. And, yeah. yeah, he did. I'm I'm like, dude, this guy still got it, and it's still it's still crazy to me that the dude was you know on the real world. But uh, <laughs> it's it's uh it was cool to watch that match. Um, I was I obviously expected. Uh, ricochet to to win that match um you know they gotta he's gotta get some sort of push and you gotta get him involved in in some way shape or form i think like a guy like ricochet would benefit a lot from being in like some type of like fashion you know like like put it throw him into maybe like the judgment day or something like that or you know like get he's got to get some some type of edge he's just like a guy that's just like a neutral dude and does he have it does he have that edge? It just seems like he seems I'm sure he's a very likable guy, great to work with. Obviously, he's a highlight reel when he's out there in the ring, but he doesn't draw like as, any emotion. Like as cheesy as um Finn Balor is sometimes, he he comes off like in the judgment day as a dude that you hate. Like you're like this fucking little asshole. Like, yeah, right. You wanna, you know, you hate them. Um, and yeah, whether it be hate or like, give us something. Yeah. So I, I think they got to give him an opportunity to kind of really push himself. Maybe, I don't know, maybe teams with somebody and turns on some, I, he's got to have some, some type of, like you said, like some type of storyline really that's going to push him over the edge. It's so funny because then we talk about like, I would much rather give him a shot with a Gunther than, uh, yeah. a riddle you know what yeah. i mean like yeah. and have it be a hard-hitting match but i feel like gunther took the belts from i think i want to say that's who he beat to to win the belt was ricochet so he might have had it but maybe he had the u.s and ben had the i forget but so either way it's guys like that and then the, my next question is you have people that are clearly over with the crowd you know, and they like there's the uh, Alpha Academy, and I know they haven't been invested in a major storyline, but they're entertaining. And like when I say you have to draw an emotion out, it doesn't have to be an anger, it doesn't have to be a love, or it could be you make someone laugh. They're entertained, you know. And Alpha Academy to me does that every time Otis is on. I'm like, oh man, I love this guy. You know, I watch him, and that's what Sami Zayn was was a lovable guy 
that was kind of in this jackass shit. You know, he wrestled mm -hmm. Johnny Knoxville and you put him into a meaningful storyline. He becomes a lackey and then people fall in love with him. And next, thing you know, they're cheering for him. Mm -hmm. You got to start putting these players in the spots to succeed. And you have an alpha Academy that can do it. LA Knight comes to mind right away as someone that is clearly over. He was getting chance at the night of champions, premium live event at the press conferences and stuff like that. They're just randomly chanting for LA night. My kid loves him when he comes on the show. When is LA night going to get the push? Is he going to get the push? He's going against Montez Ford this week for the qualification for money <sighs> in the bank. That's a tough draw. That's a tough draw. Why yeah. wouldn't you separate these two? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Cause that would be, uh, uh, I don't know. So I only seen LA Knight wrestle a handful of times and cause he was wrapped up in that storyline. Like, look, clearly he's, he's getting a push. He's wrapped up in the storyline with, um, uh, Bray Wyatt. And then that obviously fell flat on his face. But, um, I, I mean, I haven't really seen him wrestle all that often, but look, he's got a great look to him. Uh, yeah, I've seen him with bugs the last couple couple of weeks, right? And yeah, um, yeah, there haven't been really like highly entertaining matches. You know, they're kind of just kind of like strongman competitions. But um, it would be interesting to see the dynamic between Ford. It's going to be interesting to watch those two wrestle together and see who comes out on top. Um, Ellie Knight has a lot of character. He has a lot. He's great on the mic. He does obviously bring out an emotion something that you look for in some of these characters but um maybe it's his time dude maybe it is his time i, I mean who else who else are we looking at for for money in the bank in terms of the male side of things i i have to look up the matches for this friday shinsuke nakamura won so he'll be in the the money in the bank so shinsuke ricochet the winner of montez ford and la knight and I don't know the next one. Now, part of me has talked about this is a Sheamus winning the Money in the Bank contract. And, of course, the the title that's always eluded Sheamus is the Intercontinental Championship. And if he wins the Money in the Bank, you could actually sell him wanting to cash in for the Intercontinental Championship as opposed to cashing in on a yeah, Roman Reigns or yeah. a Seth Rollins. And that gives you the obvious way of keeping the belts on those guys without having to worry about a money in the bank contract cash in. So I don't know if Seamus is in the tournament. I'm sorry for not having that research to the people out there listening, but uh, we will see in the next couple of days, Tim, real quick. What did you think of Jinder Mahal's new tag team hmm. coming out this week? It, it, and we're talking about this emotion. These guys are falling flat to me, and it's just like, uh, well, these aren't, they're never going to connect. What are we doing here? I, again, there's a guy like Jinder Mahal. He comes, so they're all doing the same thing. I, I just, I, I don't get that. This is very old school to me, right? Like you put these guys together, they wrestle jobbers, they beat the shit out of these jobbers. It's like they're like, I can see Omos doing this shit. Right, right, but like these dudes are—they're not the size of Omos. Like yeah. they're not the size; they're, they don't have any cachet to them. Like these dudes are just a couple of guys, right? That look the same. They look like Jinder Mahal. They throw them together, and like this dude Veer, uh, what's his name? Veer, Veer Mahan, I think. Veer Mahan, whatever. 
like they brought him out when I first started watching wrestling again, and they were cutting promos for him. He had like face paint on him. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, this, this, and he beat like six jobbers in a row. And then they he's gone. Set him down to NXT. They paired him with this other guy. And now he's doing the same thing without the face paint. I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, what, what are we doing with this guy? Like, uh, and he, he's like an old pirates pitcher. Right, yeah, like right. He used to pitch for the Pirates. <laughs> like I know who you are, dude. You're not this crazy guy. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, it's just so bad. And I hope to God that they're they're not pushing these dudes into like a, a title run of some sort, right? Because, in my opinion, and I told you this before, they're not going to keep those belts on KO and and Sami Zayn. There's no way that they let them run that. They're too they're valuable just, separate. Yeah. Yeah. They're too valuable separate. And they're going to drop the belts to somebody. And it's going to be, it's going to be probably maybe at SummerSlam. I can see SummerSlam, them dropping the belts and then them going off in the road. Because KO, dude, I, I sent you a text. You other are a big KO, Mark. You I mean, love guy, KO. Dude, the guy does it all. I mean, he's great on the mic. He's he's his comedic value is is through the roof. It's very similar to what the rock does or what the rock did. Obviously, he's not on that same level, but like he knows his spots where he can he can turn that comedy level on and he gets the crowd, dude. And he he has them. He just doesn't have the catchphrases that the rock did. Yeah, but then he can go right to that fight mentality where he's ready to throw down. Yeah. And in the ring, he's one of the best in the biz. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's and, got a very look. He's got a look that is very, you know, relatable. You know, you see him and you're like, this is a regular guy, kind of, you know, that can throw down, you know, almost like who was the uh, UFC fighter? Like Tank Abbott, I want to say was his name. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like kind of that that guy. But, um, yeah, I think I just hate the the whole and like Jinder Mahal, I don't know how long he's been. But did he just re- resurface just because of these two yeah. guys? He had an NXT, like he went back with NXT and he had an NXT championship match where he fell short. And then, you know, he's, I, I want to say he might have had some injuries or just was, you know, lost in the shuffle. Like a lot of wrestlers happen to be lost. And who knows what they're going to do with these guys. But are you going to put belts on them? I mean, you've, you've, you've already got enough. Of the I bad just, guy going around, I don't. Know. It just feel, it just it feels very like mid nineties tag team throat. Like, do we talked about the uh, the smoking guns earlier, right? Yeah. Like, oh, let's throw some cowboy hats on these guys and call them the smoking guns. Like, yeah, it's just such a like a gimmicky type of like tag team that they just throw together and now they're forcing it down our throats. And that's and what was the decline of WWF at the time and when WCW take over and they introduced more of a realism into it and that's and that's what sparked the Monday Night Wars and why WCW was winning the ratings war for over a year because they were sick people were sick of the Duke the Dumpster Drosies. They were sick of like these shtick guys that were, you know, whatever. Wait, didn't they have um? Wasn't there a tag team? Uh, no, it was the Berserkers, right? The Berserkers, yeah. Um, remember, remember that too. He was great. Yeah, yeah. He was the one. Yeah. <laughs> Is he the one that fell through the 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 
uh, whatever. He felt so, something. <laughs> yes. It I, I want to say he almost had the um he had the it looked like the Star Wars the 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 bad guy's helmet on. It was like painted so whatever. So on this day in wrestling history, we're gonna pay a little homage to Mr. Jake the Snake Roberts. It was his birthday. I'm actually I think I think this is Hey, we're both wearing our uh Sponsor of the show, Jabroni Drive, <laughs> Homage Shirts. We want to thank Homage Shirts for sponsoring our show. We love your shirts, your hoodies, and all your apparel, your great wrestling gear. Wow. And happy birthday to Mr. Jake the Snake Roberts out there. A lot of things in wrestling history. He's actually the greatest wrestler, I would say, in WWF history to never hold a major title. Never held a major title, Jake the Snake Roberts did. So never an Intercontinental, obviously never a world championship title, tag team, whatever you want to say. He never held a major title. Tim, any any Jake the Snake Roberts memories that stick out with you? Um, Jake the Snake. So Jake the Snake um, recently... And I was in, he's been in the news because he was a big uh, DDP yoga guy. Yes, he has he's- obviously had his demons. And if you haven't watched DDP's documentaries and how he helped out a Scott Hall, uh, Jake the Snake Roberts, I will tell you something. I would, I, DDP's positive attitude and everything like that, I felt like would annoy me. But this guy is one of the greatest dudes out there with the way he helped these wrestlers come from the dark place he's, that they were in ddp also, mad kudos to him he also is is one of the more revered guys um i remember in like wcw like a lot of guys said that like they like he really helped like just younger talent along you know in in wcw and helped them out and whatever anyway um yeah, so Jake the Snake Roberts, that's that's one thing that I know that he's been in the news recently for. I see him on social media, but um obviously the one thing is is Damien, right? Damien was his go-to. That's his snake that he used to carry out to the uh used to carry out to the ring. He uh I know that he was a big DDT guy. Uh that was his finishing move and uh, like you know what sucks about that too is that like it's become such a like everyone does the DDT now, like everyone right. has a version of it. And it used to be such a great finisher, right? Like, dude, like no one got up from the DDT. Like, right. And it, you know, it's just become like a household type of move now, which sucks. But, um, and, and then I think the, the biggest thing I remember is one, I think, was it, I don't even know what, if it was a pay-per-view or, what show it was, but I remember like Randy Savage being tied up in the ropes. Yes. And I, and I think he didn't he bring out Damien and had like the snake bite him. The snake bit him right on the arm, and you could see the blood coming out from where the uh the fangs got him. And it was a crazy moment. I was just trying to look it up to see what it was on. It had to be a, a pay-per-view, but I Dude, you know you, you know it's like funny, it's like wrestling is so crazy <laughs> like like you can imagine selling that to randy savage for like backstage like all right randy so here's the deal man listen you're gonna face this wrestler his name's jake the snake 
He carries down a python down to the ring. We're going to have him tie him up, into, <laughs> tie you up at the ropes, and the snake's going to bite you. Don't worry. The snake's not venomous. Uh-huh. It, it's like, what? <laughs> Wait, what? What? Where am I at right now? Like, that's how wrestling used to be. It's just such. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I, I love it. I love it. He's yeah, going to have the yes. snake bite me, and uh, that's going to be. That's going to be an incredible moment, and it is. It's an infamous moment in uh, wrestling history, and I'm trying to real quick find out what it was from. I want to say it was a Survivor Series. I know it was November 23rd. So, Tom, so, let me ask, let me ask you this. So, I mean, no major belts. Um, obviously, he's had to have matches, right, with with premier guys, right, for right. four belts. He just never won them. Like, did he have? I don't remember because maybe I, maybe because he never held any belts. I don't know. But did he have like a rival like wrestler? Was it was there a guy that just the like, main just... like a main rival of Jake the Snake in yeah. uh, WWF? Uh, you know, maybe it was Macho Man. I would have to say Macho Man, but um, uh, Honky Tonk Man. I'm trying to think. I think he had a rivalry i mean ironically he's the one that stone cold beat to win the king of the ring and that's where the phrase because jake had found god at that point and he said you can have your psalms and you can read your you know your books in the bible austin 316 says i just whipped your ass which then became the the biggest the biggest selling t-shirt in the history of the biz that i'm looking tom i'm looking up uh i'm looking up jake the snake Robert's career rivalries, best rivalries. And we got number one. And this is just, this is just, uh, just a random search. Andre the Giant. Wow. Andre the Giant. Yeah. How about that? Was that in WWF? It says it. Yeah. It says literally the biggest feud of Jake the Snake Robert's careers is rivalry with Andre the Giant. To keep the giant from attacking him, Roberts used the snake to scare Andre. Um, the That's fear of the cool. snake caused Andre to have a fake heart attack. Uh, <laughs> there you go. I remember that now. That's so funny. <laughs> Angered by the tactics of Roberts, the two would feud and see Andre defeat uh, the snake multiple times. But at WrestleMania five, the history books read that Roberts was victorious over Andre the giant after um after he Andre the Giant attacked attacked the referee, causing a disqualification. So Andre the Giant and then Randy Savage was second. Undertaker was third. Oh yeah. Undertaker, duh, of course. Yeah. But uh okay, Randy Savage second, Undertaker third. That makes sense. All right, Tim. So happy birthday to Mr. Jake the Snake Roberts. And over the past week we were talking about WrestleMania Rewind. You had checked out the um, the Clash of the Mega Powers, and I suggested that you watch the WrestleMania Rewind with Undertaker and Shawn Michaels. Tim, what were your thoughts on the WrestleMania Rewind and the match at WrestleMania 25, widely regarded as maybe the greatest wrestling match of all time? Yeah, so one of... I mean, it was a classic. I remember seeing clips of of this one, uh, just like throughout. Like you ever get lost in like that YouTube, 
you know, wormhole where yeah. you just keep keep clicking on shit and all of a sudden like you're yeah, you're at WrestleMania 25 and you see clips. Um it's just incredible. Like the the whole build up to it was was great. Um and then like when you get to to the match, I'm, I'm not sure. It was this the one where was it Triple H was supposed to wrestle this one and he got hurt and then he stepped in or was that a different was that a different match? I think that was the following year. They wrestled back to back years. The following year became a retirement match. Right, right, right. And um I wanna say I I'd have to look back at that, but the the year prior to that, they were both like the final two in the Royal Rumble. Right. And yep. it was kind of almost like the setup and the only person that Undertaker had never beaten was Shawn Michaels. To that mm-hmm. point, he had never beaten Shawn Michaels in t- until that pay-per-view. Uh, spoiler alert. Sorry if you haven't seen it, but Undertaker has a, has a notorious undefeated streak at WrestleMania. But at the time, watching that was an incredible moment. One of the, the spots from that match was when Undertaker did his leap over the top rope and nosedives into the ground at the same time, hitting the cameraman as Sean had pulled in his way to to block him, and he drops the camera, and there's a crunch right as Undertaker land. Now, if you look at it over and over again, you realize the crunch is the camera. When I watched at the first, I I swore he broke his neck, and what an incredible job Undertaker did of selling that. One of the best sells on a countout I've ever seen, and he's getting up and he's staggering, and I was like, he's not. This is over. And he ends up getting back in the ring. Tim, I think you had mentioned another spot in that match that you really loved. There were several, but I want to say the last ride. Oh, well, yeah. So that match prominently featured just multiple finishing moves. And and I think that's what made the match so great is just that these guys just battle-tested, worn, like just throughout this entire match. And each of them hit finisher after finisher after finisher. And it was like a, it was an old school, like 12 round heavyweight fight. And just, yeah, they were, they left it all in the tank. And, um, yeah, Shawn Michaels hits super kick after super kick. And, uh, it, like earlier in the ma- off the top, you had well, yeah, tombstones, well, you had last rides, you had well, the whole it, deal. Dude, the, the 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 one spot like you see him look, the Undertaker when he hit Tombstone, that was it. Like growing up watching the Undertaker, if he hit the Tombstone, that was it. And because like you remember, he'd hit the Tombstone, he'd fold your arms over like he was putting you in the casket. Yeah, you know? roll the eyes, roll the eyes, stick out the tongue, and that was it. And he he does it mid match, and Shawn Michaels kicks out, and you're just like. What the fuck, dude? Like that doesn't happen. Yeah, it does not happen. And you're like, all right, so this match has got to end soon. Like he's gonna hit like a choke slam or something. Then probably and dude, it goes on for another like fifteen minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and you're you're just like, dude. Some of the some of the just just uh, just unbelievable athleticism. It's when Undertaker is just probably in some of the best shape he's ever been in. He's walking the ropes. He's doing that shit. You know, he's diving out of the ring. Like, yeah, still peak for- athlete there. They still had it. It wasn't too far. Later on in Undertaker's career and the streak and everything like that, there were some matches. It was like, okay, 
here we go, you know, and he wasn't him his full self and injuries yeah. and age catches up with everybody, you know, so I'm not knocking him, but it's just it's a fact. And, you watch the matches, and you're like, all right, whatever. And and you know what else is is like what vintage undertaken. I, I don't want to keep on. I know we're, we're pressed for time here, but in that match, right. It's vintage Undertaker. It's when Paul Bear doesn't, he's not his manager anymore. There's no urn. But if you remember back in the day, like when Paul, Paul Bear would bring out the urn, that's where the Undertaker would draw his power from. Power, and yeah. he would, and he would sit up, right? <laughs> he would sit up and like, dude, that was always like something. I'm like, dude, this fucking guy's out of control. Like this dude. Right. And it's one of the last times I remember seeing him do that. You know, before like he, you know, every once in a while he would throw it in, but like he was doing it during that match. He would sit yeah. up and there was a really cool moment where HBK, they both were down, I think, after each hitting a, you know, finishing move and Heartbreak Kid does his, his flip jump up, up. Yeah. The jump up. And at the same, like two seconds later, the Undertaker sits up and it's just like, dude, this is fucking, this yeah. is awesome. Dude. All time. And obviously the Undertaker hits the last ride and then you know he hits another tombstone. He catches what happens is like the under I think it's Shawn Michaels, he gets tossed over the ropes, he holds onto the ropes and he tries to bring himself back over, and the Undertaker catches him. Yep. And he's already in the tombstone position, hits the tombstone, one, two, three, it's over. But it was just insane. I think they hit like probably a total of eight finishing moves in a span of like fucking 10 minutes. So I wonder awesome. if that's the beginning of the death of the finishing move. You know, we talked about it briefly earlier on the show about how the finishing move, you know, you seem to see all these quote unquote finishing moves that now are hit more and more often. You know, a spear is kicked out of or something like that. And you start to think. Oh, man, you know, I wonder if that was the beginning of it all. You know, when I think about it, I think it, it might have been. Incredible match. If you haven't checked it out, WrestleMania 25, Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker. I would suggest watching the WrestleMania Rewind because it gives you a whole recap leading into it and then the match right after. So if you haven't checked it out, go check that match out. Tim, another um. great show of Jabroni Drive. Fantastic. People love it. I love it. We've covered it all from Night of Champions to Jake the Snake Roberts and Damien. Tom, you were you were the champion of the night. You were you were yawning there at the end. I thought I was losing you. Oh, I'm sorry. Sometimes it just I you know what? I have a tendency to yawn and just like, no, I'm fine, but I just I throw a yawn out there. Is that weird? No, it's perfectly Hopefully that normal. wasn't on camera. If it is, I'm cutting it out. <laughs> But uh, we want to thank you all for listening. If you like what we're doing, please leave us a like, share, subscribe, tell your friends, tell anyone that you know that likes professional wrestling to check this out. From our one viewer, he said he was very impressed with our professional wrestling show. Thank you. So, look at that. We got a great review. Appreciate that, Robbie, if you're still listening. Uh, <laughs> on the it show. was Robbie? <laughs> God damn know. it. We've gotten a couple good reviews on the wrestling show, but... He's, he's the one that most checks us out. Tim, anything you got to say to the Schmidt and Lavelleites out there before we sign off? Well, if you guys, if you guys didn't like this episode, we got two words for you. Suck it! <laughs> 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 <laughs>
<laughs> Thanks for listening to Jabroni Drive. My name's Tom Lavelle. As always, I'm accompanied by Mr. Timothy Schmidt. Till next week, have a wonderful weekend. And we'll see you after SmackDown and Raw. God bless America. And God bless Jabroni Drive. <laughs> I had an American flag around there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs>